Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the lands we record this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, as well as the Wanarua and the Gamilaroi people. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, I'm Emma Gillespie, filling in for Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. This week, former US President Donald Trump confirmed what he'd long been teasing. Get ready, that's all I'm telling you, very soon. He wasn't bluffing. America's 45th president has officially announced his intentions to make history by attempting to become its 47th. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for president of the United States. But if the timing of Trump's announcement was meant to be part of a victory lap in the wake of the midterm elections, it certainly hasn't all gone to plan. It does look as though this is not the red wave, not the Republican wave, not the wave Donald Trump had expected. This morning, a sigh of relief for Democrats, against the odds retaining control of the Senate for two more years. Today, we look at the chances Trump will secure the Republican Party's next presidential nomination, or if he'll ever occupy the White House again as we gear up for the 2024 US presidential election. But first, your news headlines for Friday, November 18. I'm Gemma Bath. Dutch judges have convicted three men of murder for their role in the 2014 shooting down of Malaysia Airlines flight MH17 over Ukraine and sentenced them to life in prison. A fourth man was acquitted. MH17 was a passenger flight that was shot down over eastern Ukraine on July 17, 2014, killing all 298 passengers and crew, including 38 Australians. Only the most severe punishment is fitting to retaliate for what the suspects have done, which has caused so much suffering to so many victims and so many surviving relatives, read a summary of the ruling. The three men were former Russian intelligence agents and a Ukrainian separatist leader. Guy Sebastian's former manager has been jailed for a maximum of four years and ordered to repay over $624,000 fraudulently taken from the Australian Idol winner over eight years. On Thursday, Titus Emmanuel Day was told he'd be spending at least two years and six months behind bars before being eligible for parole. Day's conviction comes after a New South Wales District Court jury found him guilty of 34 fraud charges in June. The funds owed to the pop star encompassed royalties, performance and ambassador fees, including for a wedding in Venice, singing at a Taylor Swift tour and playing at a New Year's Day Big Bash cricket event. Thousands of Australian restaurants and delivery riders have been left scrambling to recoup money and find work after the sudden closure of Deliveroo this week, with some outlets shortchanged by tens of thousands of dollars and missing up to a third of their regular trade. 
But industry experts warned Deliveroo's closure could be the first of several meal delivery services to disappear due to challenging economic conditions and prices for deliveries may rise to make the industry more sustainable. Deliveroo announced on Wednesday it was going into administration and stopping operations in Australia immediately. The company's website was wiped overnight and its app no longer functions. Sri Lankan cricketer Janushka Ganatalaka has been banned from using Tinder and his social media accounts after being granted bail while awaiting trial on rape charges. The 31-year-old was arrested in the early hours of October 6 at Sydney's Hyatt Regency Hotel, where he was staying while the Sri Lankan cricket team were in Australia for the T20 World Cup. He is facing four counts of sexual intercourse without consent and has not yet given a plea. The magistrate granted him bail on Thursday in Sydney's Downing Centre local court, despite fears he is a flight risk and could endanger the safety of the complainant. And just months after being axed, after 37 years on our screens, Neighbours is coming back. The long-running soap did a big farewell in July, bringing back lots of old faces from the show after it failed to find a new home to air. But Channel 10 has scooped it back up and it will be available to stream on Amazon Freevee in the UK and the US. Filming will start on Ramsey Street next year. That's your latest news headlines in a moment. Today's Deep Dive. You and all of those watching are the heart and soul of this incredible movement and greatest country in the history of the world. It's very simple. From the moment he lost the presidency to Joe Biden in 2020, Donald Trump told us that he'd be back. Spurred on, of course, by his ongoing attacks on the legitimacy of the results that saw him lose power as the Democrats took victory with President Biden. I am determined to protect our election system, which is now under coordinated assault and siege. After weeks of teasing from Trump himself as he endorsed candidates along the midterm election campaign trail, he made his intentions to run again official Wednesday afternoon our time in a live broadcast from his Mar-a-Lago estate in Florida. Trump's announcement comes at a tumultuous time for the Republican Party, who was still reeling from an unexpectedly lacklustre performance at the midterm elections. A red tsunami had been hoped for, a red wave expected even. In the end, it was barely a trickle. A loser's been declared in the midterm election. The pundits say it was Donald Trump. The so-called red wave predicted Republicans would not only win back seats lost, but that they'd improve their representation across Congress. Traditional voting patterns show there's normally a swing against the government of the day halfway through the presidential term. And unlike our political system, US Parliament votes for its presidency at a different time to when they vote for their Senate and House representatives. The combination of that expected swing and Joe Biden's low approval rating of 36% left the small Democratic majorities in the two houses of Congress vulnerable. According to data, Joe Biden's been unpopular among voters for over a year now, as US citizens expressed a displeasure over soaring inflation and many objected to Biden's handling of the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. With the economy struggling and cost-of-living pressures, many assumed a turn against the Democrats was inevitable. But as we've heard time and time again, the pollsters got it wrong. 
And while the Republicans look set to take a small majority in the House of Representatives, the Democrats have held on to the Senate. So what happened? Well, for one, women turned out in much larger numbers than ever before, using their vote as a protest against the Supreme Court decision to strip them of their constitutional right to a safe abortion, with the recent overturning of Roe v. Wade. That regression was made possible because Trump managed to stack the court with conservative-leaning justices before he left office. At the Supreme Court today, an historic upheaval in a sweeping ruling that overturned a half a century of precedents, five justices ended the right of American women to choose abortion under the Constitution. In a written statement, former President Trump calling today's ruling the biggest win for life in a generation. And Trump takes credit for recent conservative Supreme Court decisions. And what of the Republican Party Trump is seeking to reinfiltrate after years of making so many enemies. The president bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on Congress by mob rioters. Trump and I, we've had a hell of a journey. I hate it being this way. All I can say is uh, count me out, enough is enough. Well, despite that list of enemies, Trump's approval rating is still hovering around 80%. With that in mind, American political expert and host of Planet America, Chaz Lichardello, says another Donald Trump presidency is one thing, but securing the Republican nomination is another. Okay, Chaz, first thing I want to know off the bat is, does Donald Trump actually have a chance of becoming president again? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I would say... If he can get through the nomination process to be the Republican nominee, he's the favourite. So talking about that nomination, who are his fiercest competitors? What about DeSantis? DeSantis is easily his fiercest competitor. I would say DeSantis is the overwhelming favourite to be the nominee if it's not going to be Donald Trump. I'm not sure there is another Republican who can beat Trump in the Republican contest, but DeSantis absolutely definitely can. Where does the Republican Party land on this in terms of Trump's new ambitions or renewed ambitions? How significant is the support for Trump within the party, say, today compared to, you know, a few years ago? That's a great question. I would say that it's very difficult to talk about the Republican Party as a monolith. Like, people who aren't Republicans tend to, but there are different groups, and Donald Trump's popularity has progressed in different ways for different parts of the alliance of the Republican Party. So when it comes to the base, I'd say he's pretty much as popular as ever. When I say the base, I mean the guys you see on Twitter with the American flags next to their names. Those guys, (laughs) um, they're usually Southern and they're usually quite loud, but they're not the whole party. There's also a group of more sort of conventional Republicans, the people who tend to be more in charge. You might call them the elites of the Republican Party. Those people, they tend to live in the cities, in particular New York, and they're the people you think of as Fox News and talkback hosts and newspaper guys. And those kinds of people, they never really liked Donald Trump, but they weren't with him in 2016, that's for sure. But they found that the base didn't give them the opportunity to not have Donald Trump, so they just put up with him, and they were happy to 
do a deal where Donald Trump gave them judges and Donald Trump gave them the abortion laws they wanted and Donald Trump would give them a tax cut and they would put up with Donald Trump. But every time there's an opportunity to get rid of him, those people have tried to take it. But then they found there's more of the base than there is of them. And so they realized that they just had to come slinking back and pretend that they liked them again. Those people really, really don't like Donald Trump now. They didn't like him in 2016, but now they really, really, really don't like Donald Trump. The question is, has Donald Trump's popularity amongst the base reduced at all in the last year or so? And if it has, then maybe this time the urban guys might get their way. Another big question on everyone's minds is, you know, criminally, where is Donald Trump at? We've seen the papers that he took from the White House, the raids, the January 6th insurrection stuff, the impeachment stuff. How can this man run again, I suppose, is a big question for a lot of people. That's a great question about the indictments because some would argue, and I am one of them, that that is the only reason he has announced his presidential run two years out because this is not normal. Someone announcing they're going to run for president two years out is not normal at all unless they're a complete nobody. That is not conventional at all. And you have to ask why is he doing that? And I think the answer is almost certainly because he's trying to put pressure on the Department of Justice to not lay an indictment on him because we're all expecting an incipient indictment to arrive at any moment now. The indictment I'm talking about here is for Donald Trump having purloined a few hundred top secret documents, some of which may or may not involve nuclear secrets, and uh, kept them at Mar-a-Lago for reasons that no one really understands. And when the guys in charge of securing those documents contacted him, he denied that he had them. He said, and his representative said, I've got a few of them here. Here you go. But I don't have anything else. And then they subpoenaed footage of his closed-circuit video surveillance cameras, and they found that he, in fact, was lying and that he did have them. And so then they raided his Mar-a-Lago residence, and they found those documents and proved that he was lying and obstructing. And they think there's probably still more of them that he's got as well, and he's still lying about it. Now, anyone who does that normally is going to jail for a very, very long period of time. If Donald Trump was not Donald Trump, he'd already be in jail. But uh, he is Donald Trump, and so it's quite a big political issue whether you're going to actually charge him for this and try him. And the suggestion is that Donald Trump went early so that when, not if, they indict him, he can say, oh, this is just a political witch hunt. And he can say it's all about politics and then put pressure on them to drop the charges. So we know he's still popular with the base. We know that he's popular with voters. What about his former colleagues? Where are they going to land on his part in a potential nomination? This is an interesting development. This is what's new. With these kinds of things, like I said, there have been a number of times when the more elite parts of the Republican Party have tried to take a stab at the king and they've missed. And so the question that I've been asking to see if this challenge is serious at all is what's changed this time from the previous occasions when people have tried to take on Donald Trump? And that is what has changed. What's changed has been the way his colleagues and politicians and influencers have started talking about him. And what I mean by that is in the past, 
when people have criticised Donald Trump, they've almost entirely been anonymous swipes. They've been people off the record, people behind the scenes, people murmuring to journalists without wanting to put their name to it. But now we're seeing names. We're seeing a number of politicians come out, put their name to it and say, not just Donald Trump is finished, but Donald Trump is dishonest. Donald Trump is horrible for the Republican Party. Been really quite critical. In fact, sounding a little bit Democrat. <laughs> and, uh, and that is new. Do you think those Republican politicians are reflecting on, you know, what they have or rather haven't done since the 2020 election to kind of rebrand their party away from being the Donald Trump party? Or do you think that they're very much still a party sort of in the shadow of his name? I think that they are in the shadow of his name. And I think that those Republicans have never wanted to be in the shadow of his name, but they've just not thought they had an alternative. And to be honest, they may have been right. Even now they may have no alternative because, like I said, we don't know where this is going to go. There's every chance that if Donald Trump gets deprived of the nomination, he could chuck a tantrum and he could run as an independent. And if he does run as an independent against a Republican, that would be an absolute disaster for the Republican Party. So, yes, they are in the shadow of Donald Trump's branding. That was extremely clear in the 2022 midterms, which were largely in the end about Donald Trump, even though he wasn't running and he really had nothing to do officially with the election campaign. Donald Trump is definitely tied up with the Republican Party branding. It's just a question of whether it's even possible for them to extract him. I want to zero in a little bit on how is the public's perception of Biden going? And is that contributing to these higher turnouts on election days? The perception of Biden hasn't really changed an enormous amount over the last, let's say, year and a bit, ever since he left Afghanistan. When America left Afghanistan, Biden's approval took a big hit and it's never come back since then. It's basically been at around 40%, sometimes lower. He's almost a spectator to what goes on a lot in America. He's very unpopular, but at the same time, I don't think he's hated. I think that like, while there are a lot of people who strongly disapprove of Biden is high, I just don't think he inspires the same kind of passion against him that Donald Trump did. Do you think then it's a fairly sure thing that Biden wouldn't be going for a second term? No, I wouldn't say that because while he doesn't help them much, he hasn't hurt them much either, I don't think. But on top of that, there's no one who's obviously going to replace him. And this is the problem that Democrats have. They've got a very shallow bench. Like Kamala Harris is the obvious replacement, the vice president. She's less popular than he is. And I think Democrats live in fear of her being the next presidential nominee for the Democrats. And then you go, well, who's next? Who's next is the question everyone wants answered. A guy named Gavin Newsom. He's the governor of California and he's tipped as the Democrats' heir apparent. He's a 55-year-old father of four and was an early advocate for marriage equality, gun control, and the legislation of cannabis. As your governor, I promise you, whatever challenges come our way, I will always lead the California way, based on compassion, common sense, telling the truth, following science, treasuring our diversity, defending our democracy, protecting our planet, and always planting seeds for the future. But Chaz says while Gavin Newsom is probably more competent than Biden or Harris, he doesn't see him as a massive vote winner either. And he reckons the Democrats' brightest prospects are probably just slightly too young to run. I think it depends who the Republicans are going to be, essentially. If 
Donald Trump becomes a nominee, then Biden has a strong argument. I beat him once. I have what it takes to to beat him again. I helped you do very well in the midterms when it was a very Trumpy midterms. You know, let's not mess around. Let's not take any risks. I think he's got an argument to make there. If it's DeSantis, I think Biden would look ridiculous on stage next to a guy who's half his age with like a four-year-old kid. I think that Biden would get blown out of the water if it was DeSantis, so they might think about moving on then. But the other thing is the Democrats can't make him leave. He's the president. He has to decide to leave. And if he wasn't so arrogant that he thought that he should be president, he wouldn't be president in the first place. So who's going to convince him to go? If we've got DeSantis and Trump as the two most likely presidential nominee candidates for the Republican Party, where are they at on the political spectrum? I mean, obviously we know where Trump's views lie for the most part, but in terms of, you know, the stripping of human rights and their agendas on the conservative side, what would you predict their moves to be if either of them was president? I would say neither of them are conventional conservatives in any ideological sense, in that Donald Trump is not a person who has strong ideology of any kind. Like if Donald Trump tomorrow came out and just had a completely opposite position to what he'd said for the last six years, you wouldn't be surprised. You wouldn't go, oh, no, he didn't believe that before now because you don't really think Donald Trump believes anything. Donald Trump believes that he should be president and that's what he believes. That's his ideology. He'll say and do whatever it takes to get there. So I don't think anyone really knows, for instance, what Donald Trump thinks about abortion. Like we know that Donald Trump, has paid for abortions in the past. And if you ask someone 10 years ago, what do you think Donald Trump's position on abortion is? You would say, yeah, he's probably pro-choice. He strikes us as pretty liberal and that kind of stuff. So I don't think he has a consistent ideology. Now, Ron DeSantis isn't that bad as far as ideology goes. I think his ideology is basically whatever the ideology of the Republican Party is at any given moment. But Unlike Donald Trump, he has a real natural predilection for dealing with the culture war. Donald Trump is happy to go to the culture war, no problems there. But Ron DeSantis, he's like a pig in mud with the culture war. (laughs) He really, really, really loves talking about transgender issues or woke issues, all the kinds of stuff which people slang each other about on Twitter. He loves being in that area. My last question for you and a bit of a tricky one. Imagine you've got the crystal ball in front of you. We fast forward. The nominations have been confirmed. Chaz Lichardello, who's it going to be for each side and who's going to be the next president? Okay. They're both really hard to predict at this point in time. I'm going to take the spirit of the question. On, on we won't board. hold you to it in a couple yeah, of years. Don't worry. Today, how, how I feel as I've rolled out of bed is I would say the Republican nominee will be DeSantis and I'd say the Democrat nominee is going to be Gavin Newsom. And in a Gavin Newsom-DeSantis contest, let's keep on going, I would say DeSantis is going to win. So I'd say DeSantis is the next American president at this point in time. But honestly, (laughs) I have 0.1% confidence in that that prediction. For me, the Republican nomination is a 51-49 situation. Like I really think they're as close to a 50-50, those two, as you could possibly get. And that's not because I think that's going to be really, really close. It's going to be on the wire. I think it's going to blow out 
for either DeSantis or Trump, but there's just no way you can know at this point in time who it's going to blow out for. By June or July of next year, we will absolutely know who the Republican nominee is going to be, and that's, and that's still six months out from any votes. That's the quickie for today. This episode was produced by myself, Emma Gillespie, and Gemma Bath with executive producer Liv Proud. Audio production is by Tom Lyon. Tom Lyon.